As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for tuning in today to the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. We are here in our studio with David Veely of Amend. David and I met in 2008. We were introduced by a mutual friend, Brian Whitaker. Brian, thank you for being a listener on this podcast. And our organizations spend a tremendous amount of time supporting one another and our customers, right? We have a great friendship, great relationship, and we're like-minded leaders doing things and for a very similar and driven purpose. So, David, thank you so much for joining us today, and I look forward to this conversation. Yeah, I have too, Mike. Thank you so much for inviting me to the studio. Excited about this topic. Some see it as a problem. Some see it as an opportunity, and we hope to put some landscape around this. Also, thank you for what you're doing in the marketplace. Your organization are true leaders and true servant leaders in the marketplace, so thank you. Absolutely. It's a pleasure as ours, and it's a real pleasure to support with others like you in this marketplace as well. So we want to focus today heavily on the thought and the process of becoming a talent magnet and the challenges and opportunities that exist today in this region and in our nation on workforce, helping organizations and the listeners that are tuning in today really think about some tangible activities and actions they can take to get in front of this and put themselves in a position of winning versus a position of wishing they would have made these changes. So um, so can we talk a little bit about your work today and the impact that you're seeing in the workforce, some of the, you know, with manufacturers, with service organizations? Could you share a little bit about the challenges that you're seeing businesses facing today? What we're seeing a lot of today is accelerated growth companies inside of an economic boom market. The irony of this is nine years ago, we went through hopefully the greatest recession we'll ever see in our career to today accelerated growth companies challenged with how do we maintain growth? How do we hit our strategic objectives while at the same time in a labor market that there's naturally a shortage of? Uh, that's one of the biggest challenges that we're seeing is that accelerated growth translating to the bottom line of the income statement and then the natural capacity constraint of how do I bring in appropriate talent and scale my business around that. Mm-hmm. What are you all seeing and following from unemployment data perspective from a regional standpoint? We're looking at a couple factors here on a regional level. We're seeing anywhere from 34 to 3.5% unemployment And you literally have to go to that number every month to see it steadily come down. Mm -hmm. We are in a very sharp decline. And if you look at it from a historical standpoint, we're getting ready to cross the line to the lowest unemployment by stats that we've seen since 1976. And that's just because that's when the Labor Department started tracking numbers. 
Many believe that it's inflated or deflated number, depending on where we stand politically. But we can all look to that number as an index to say, wow, nine years ago, we were double digit. Today, we're at 3.4, 3.5. And we're seeing this nationally, that organizations and the markets that we're serving in all over the country, I know both of our firms are doing quite a bit of work in Texas, Mm -hmm. and you're seeing the same thing there, the challenges and the struggles. Economies are growing. Businesses are attracting. Those that aren't putting their talent and people and culture first are not in a winning position. Absolutely. And we're telling people, own the problem. The number of people that still will tell me, hey, Dave, I'm really struggling at hiring X. It doesn't matter if it's a shop floor factory employee, a tech provider, or at the C-suite level. Many people are still getting caught off guard saying, wow, we're really struggling to find this. That just proves that you're normal right now. Every business, whether you're at McDonald's or whether you're at Procter & Gamble right now, they're trying to unpack this issue that we're here to talk about today of how do I attract, how do I retain talent? And the problem statement extends even farther, depending on what region of the country you live in. Uh, An example of that is Nashville is the lowest unemployment in the nation at 2.1%. Here we are sitting at three, four, three, five. You can imagine what they're doing in Nashville to overcome some of these issues mm-hmm. as well. Well, let's talk about that. Let's give the individual listeners some tangible actions that they can bring into their next meeting with their leadership teams and with their people. You know, right. what are some steps they can make to retain great people? And what are the right steps to help attract the right people to their business? I believe for the listeners today, they're looking for us to give very tactical items, and I believe we should do that to kind of keep their attention so we build the story back up to a strategic level. Mm -hmm. And we can explain that a little more as we progress through this conversation. Tactically, really focusing on how do they attract employees or talent to the business. Really understanding why do people choose to work at their place of employment And the irony is this, that many people don't understand that. Many companies don't. If that's where you're at, go to your key talent, the people that have been there for a while or the people that are positive contributors. We like to say the A players and just ask the open-ended question, why do you choose to work here? And find out those things. Many times we're looking for the big silver bullet. You know, we pay more, we provide more opportunity. But what we're finding today, many people are choosing because of location, a short drive, the benefits, they're choosing the culture environment, all of these things that wrap up into something that's less than pay more than the next guy. Mm -hmm. Understand what those are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the areas that we share, David, and we're asked this question is, you know, what are people saying as they're leaving you? Right. So instead of just going out and how do we attract more people, how do we recruit more people? Let's talk about your brand. Let's talk about what your culture stands for. What's the experience people are having when they exit your organization? You know, whether they're getting promoted and going to another division, even if they're being terminated or they're retiring or, you know, what are your ambassadors saying about you in the marketplace? That's where you start to build an employment brand and really understand what's taking place inside your organization. On the retention side, helping an individual on an individual basis find their meaningful work, helping them align their personal goals and showing that they can achieve their personal goals by helping you achieve your organizational goals. And if that's not the case, 
it's probably not at the right place. Absolutely. Right? But creating an environment that allows people to feel committed to an organization, then when they're asked about your company that they work for, they're proud to give a positive message. And oh, by the way, not all organizations have a positive message being shared by their employees in the marketplace. And, you know, this unemployment rate, there's not a lot of people to pull from. You're typically helping or individuals go from another organization to this one. And why would they ever leave the environment they're in to go to a toxic company? They want to go to a vibrant and healthy company. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Really understanding what those attributes are to position yourself for retention and attraction is critical. There, I still find too many companies out there assuming the reason people come or the reason people go is just from a financial pay standpoint. That is important. It's very important, especially in today's market. But you don't have to be positioned as the highest paying for talent. As long as you're creating the compelling reason why of what you're talking about. Why do I work here? How do I add value? What is the global footprint of what we're trying to accomplish here, as well as many of the other factors. Now, are you offering flexible work schedules where you can? Are you providing training and development? Are you providing mentors? All of those things that don't necessarily add up to, I'm going to go pay more than somebody else, really understanding those, what I would call competitive advantages. Mm -hmm. Why attract talent? Why retain talent? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So can you share a couple of examples of provide some examples of organizations doing this well, including your own organization, the things that you all are doing to yeah. get out in front of this. Absolutely. I love giving examples. That's how I learn. I'm the example guy is what I've been told. So in one client, customer service folks who are committed to being on the phone quite a bit, taking orders, communicating with the customer, and navigating the flow of work for a customer through a facility one of the things that we've encouraged them they're now doing is offer flexible work schedules. For them in their situation, they've been able to get the right technology and provide the right environment to where the CSs, customer service, can work from home up to two days a week. They have to, you have all of the procedures in line on how to do the work, how they're accountable, you're actually making sure they're working. But we have moms now who are saying, hey, I want to stay at home two or three days out of the week. In the summer, I still want to work, and we're changing the processes to doing so. Just from an estimate level, that's worth 20% of compensation. And what I mean by that is if you're able to offer that, you don't have to necessarily just go give somebody an extra 10 to 20% to stay because you're also reaching out and meeting the needs of your employee base. What goes along with that, especially in the millennial age, is they're not really disconnecting from work. Mm -hmm. So when they're going home, they're still checking emails, still doing this. This is just a continuation for them to be able to work from home. Mm -hmm. Another example that we do at Amen, we provide a gym. We also provide personal time off, which a lot of people are doing, giving the vacation days, excuse me, for uh, birthdays, giving the people flexibility and we still measure performance and productivity, but give the team flexibility to move through that. Mm. Example, and, and I'm 47 in my generation when the father and mother had a baby, the dad went back to work the next day. That's just what we did. Frankly, I was happy to go back to work because I realized that's a lot of work at home. Something that we implemented is a two-week paternity leave. 
And at first, I had a gut check of the expense, the cost of doing so. But if you really look at it, look at the statement that we're making to our team. We're going to give the dad up to two weeks off. He doesn't have to take it in a full two-week spectrum, but he's there to be able to help with the child care, and we're making a statement to them. And frankly, how many of those periods of time is somebody going to truly use? You know, if somebody's going to have a baby so they can take two weeks off of work, they've got other items to look at. And we had to look at ourselves to say, how do we make ourselves a more flexible work environment to attract and retain? Mm -hmm. And it's something we've implemented. And frankly, we've gotten a lot of traction off of it. Mm -hmm. I feel better about it because we're making a clear statement of values to our team. So those are examples of flexibility. I'm sure there's people that are listening that says, wow, I can't be that flexible. My business requires that person to be at a machine or at a computer terminal or an interface. I would encourage you to look for opportunities to create flexibility for your work team and recognize you're doing this for your A and B plus players. Mm -hmm. Involve them in the conversation. An example with that customer service team is we actually pulled the customer service team in presented the problem statement, had them work through the solution. Mm-hmm. So now they're engaged in helping provide what those are. Yeah, yeah. And and that's a key point. We've shared this in other interviews that we've done, that allowing your team members to have a voice, right, and not trying to manage it all. Depending on where you're at in your career, you may have been managing the organization you're leading for three years or for 25 years, and times change and needs change and thoughts and values change from various workforces and where they are in their lives. So I love the fact on the parental time off shows family values. And, you know, there's a lot of families that would like to have that extra time to support their spouse and family in that time. Frankly, I'm sure my wife would appreciate that had I had done it. Uh, And looking back, I kind of look at it and say, you know, maybe I should. Now, those are just examples As you look at your business, you have to figure out what's attractable to the team, but also allows you to operate as a business to serve your customers. To give even a more tangible example, we're seeing distribution centers now recruit talent from the local fast food. And the model there is if you have an 18-year-old person who's working at McDonald's making 8 to $9 an hour, the distribution center is looking at that to say, can I recruit that person at $10 an hour and provide flexible work schedules to meet their needs and attract talent? I believe you'll see more and more of those approaches. So in our conversation to provide examples today, mm-hmm. I really believe that you can dial in on your business model and dial in on your talent model to find ways to be flexible that allows you to retain and attract the talent that we're all looking for. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. So what are some of the barriers? And you mentioned it a little bit earlier on transportation and work flexibility. And, you know, we're in a community that's trying to raise up people out of poverty and trying to get companies to think about their pay structures and how they can be more flexible for people and how they can increase pay while still making a profit for the organization to be able to run and continue successfully. Are there barriers that you see or things that you feel like our community needs to work on overcoming? I think there's some real easy examples to look for. I would also encourage people to understand the voice of their customer being the talent person and go ask those questions. Mm -hmm. 
you know, example of that is there's 22 million nonviolent criminals who are out of jail today in America. Think about how hard it is for them to go find meaningful employment, provide for families. Now, when we say criminal, many people automatically project this bad, evil person who we don't want working next to someone. Many of these folks are people who got into trouble 10 years ago. They paid their debt. They have reconciled their differences and they're moving on. There is a large pool, the largest pool of potential employees out there just under that one umbrella. Hmm. We're seeing transportation issues depending on where you're at in this city in terms of access to help. And many companies are trying to solve those. I really encourage people to sit down and talk to their talent and find out what those barriers are. Sometimes we overlook some of the basic barriers and don't get an opportunity to solve those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're also seeing quite a bit in the, when you look at the data of people who are unemployed but employable, you know, and then you have some data as well that shows, you know, disabled and, you know, people that are retired. How do you bring people back that are retired who still want to contribute and do meaningful work? And but also individuals that are taking care of families that are managing school age kids and a lot of communities. You know, how do you get make sure we have all day kindergarten and how do you ensure even child care access? A lot of companies are starting to think more about child care benefits that we need to make sure that we're doing our part to help our employees provide the right quality childcare and partnering up with organizations like 4C for Children or Children Inc. and looking at ways to really provide quality childcare. I feel 15 years ago that was happening and those benefits, quote unquote benefits, went away and are starting to come back and get people to rethink, you know, the rest of the family's story and the impact. And how do we provide benefit to that and help them achieve their goals personally and help us achieve our organization's goals? Absolutely. And we as employers, our businesses have to embrace those. Mm -hmm. You mentioned 15 years ago, if we go back to our recession period in 2009, for three years there, most companies furloughed or put off giving any pay increases. And in that process, we essentially clamped down on cost and made changes to make ourselves more competitive. A lot of folks were laid off. All of these things happen. What I'm finding is most companies are slow to come back up the curve in this period of unemployment. Mm -hmm. They're recognizing the need. They're recognizing that, hey, we have to change. I believe the progressive companies saw this coming and reacted to it. But I still see companies responding to this in a very slow manner. Mm -hmm. Those, frankly, are the ones who would typically call me and say, Dave, I'm struggling at finding talent. Mm -hmm. and, and again, you want to look around and say, well, go to a local gas station at McDonald's. They all have help wanted signs up. You have to be ahead of that curve. And it's something that, Mike, you and I have talked about is let's view talent differently. Let's make it a competitive advantage. Every one of your competitors, everyone in the market space is trying to figure out how to get talent. I see it this way is if we can solve that problem, we now have a competitive advantage mm -hmm. because we're able to attract and retain top talent in our region. It's a mind shift of this is no longer the HR department. It is no longer recruiting is we're going to make this a competitive advantage. We're going to solve this problem. And if doing so, we're going to be able to not only attract, but be more competitive in the market space. Mm -hmm. And the comment, David, that we share a lot, when you do that, 
your talent magnet flywheel is spinning so fast that people Absolutely. are naturally gravitating towards it, right? So when you start realizing that, wow, we're really making an impact and helping people achieve their best. And we just, we're getting more employee referrals than we've ever gotten. And we're getting employees that are recommending top talent in other organizations that we may want to go have a conversation with. When you build the environment like that, it becomes your competitive force. Absolutely. Right? And those that have the brands and the culture to back up the brand that are doing all of these areas well are winning. And they started somewhere. Right. Some of these did not start out in the healthiest environments, but have put some real effort to this. You know, we've seen just a couple of other examples. You know, we're seeing organizations now put in life coaches for employees. We're seeing organizations teaching financial literacy, right, to help people manage through college age or their own housing scenarios and individuals who are really putting that people development and community development at heart. Can you share some of the work and the coaching you've done in that space? Because I know you've spent quite a bit of time there. Yeah, absolutely. It's really on the premise of understand what the needs of your talent are and take the opportunity to go solve those. I believe you have to step back and look at it at generational drivers. You know, what drives the different generations in your business? And at this point in time, we have four generations in the workspace. It is understanding that what motivates and drives the 22-year-old millennial in our workforce is going to be slightly different than the 55 to 60-year-old who's in our workforce. We can't put our head in the sand and not understand what those drivers are. Mm -hmm. On one spectrum, it's quality of life, it's child, it's give me the next opportunity, I want development, I want my compelling reason why, all of those things. On the other spectrum, it may be job security, it may be planning for retirement, it may be a continuation of skill development, but really understanding those generational drivers to understand what their needs are to be able to work with those. That's where the coaches come into play. That's where providing opportunities. Tangible example in a company, a few team members said, hey, we want to do a, a mutters race. And uh, the company said, sure, we'll help sponsor it. They wrote a $1,000 check to help sponsor it. I got pictures of the event. 20 millennials went to this, all muddied up. Some of them brought their significant others. And you look at this picture and you think, wow, for $1,000, that's one of the cheapest investments they made for the talent. Mm -hmm. And frankly, the 20 people could have ponied up the money themselves. But now the business gets that opportunity. I can guarantee you they're going to do more mutters down the road. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure the 55 or 60-year-old, or let's just say the 47-year-old in me, does not want to go do a mutters. Mm -hmm. But somewhere along the way, there's a generational driver there that allows that company to attract and retain them as well. Let's take the blinders off and really speak to the customer mindset of our talent and meet those needs. And that's the thing that we're really impressing on. And I've heard you say it as well, Mike. It's not always what's the pay increase. Many of these things are time or nominal investments in people that just creates the community at work and then meets the needs of those people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that example because it really provides, again, another way to look at what you're doing in your community and does that align with the interest of your employees. Right. right. So taking a good, hard look at that and asking those questions, you know, what do our employees want to support and how do we create 
a bit, you know, even some organizations going so far to say, we'll match up to a certain dollar amount. If you donate to an organization, we'll provide a match up to a certain dollar amount. I know there's an effort that I've been involved with for many, many years now, just exciting to say that it's still continuing as a big dodgeball tournament here in Cincinnati. And it's a group of leaders that are trying to put a lot of effort into helping kids in the inner city experience outdoor camp experience through the Dan Beard Council and the Boy Scouts. And when you look at the audience of Dodgeball Day, it's every generation are in the audience, whether they're participating actively. If you were on my team, we'd make sure we get you out there, right? (laughs) And you also see the families enjoying themselves and getting to know one another and people having fun. And oh, by the way, we're raising money for a great cause, but it's an active donation for those that are participating. And we're trying to help sustain a youth inner city camp during the summer through the Dan Beer Council. So I'll tag on to that and kind of tell you a funny one on me. When I first heard about dodgeball at 47, I thought that is the craziest thing. Who wants to go down on Fifth Street at Fountain Square and play dodgeball? I actually had that mindset, went to it and watched literally hundreds of people have a great time, raise money for a great cause. I'm an Eagle Scout, so I'm passionate about Dan Beard. And I watch teams interact and create the social environment. Now, I got a gut check because my first reaction was, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Last year, we had 10 people from a men there as well. There it's it is. a great opportunity. And that's where we have to make sure that we don't just look down on those opportunities to engage people and say, well, that's not for us. We have to be able to explore. In the mutter example or in the dodgeball, who cares if only two go? If that Mm -hmm. doesn't work, next time try something else. You have to be willing to try. I'll tell you another funny one on me, and this is a small one, but we had these wooden cubes uh, for offices, for desks at our office. And one day I come in and somebody has taken it and turned it on its side. And it's about chest high and and somebody was standing around working on it. It looked tacky to me. I grabbed one of the guys and said, Bobby, what what are we doing? He said, oh, somebody wanted to turn it over so many people could work around that cube. It became a cluster of three or four. I said, Bobby, that just looks crazy. And he said, just trust me. I said, okay, I will, but at least take the casters off the bottom. (laughs) They did that. And the next thing I know, every time I go in, there's three or four people huddled around that, all working individually, but creating community and talking. After that, not long after, there's two cubes turned on its side. Not long after that, I find myself sitting there working and communicating with people, driving community and and driving conversation. That cost us nothing. As a leader, it could have cost me a lot. Mm -hmm. And really understanding those drivers and what connects people, what connects your talent base is absolutely critical. We as leaders have to get out of the box on that. And if I could say it this way, People in my generation, we have to get out of the box to understand what's different in those drivers. Wonderful. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope our listeners take a lot of value away from this that are tangible. And if anything has resonated from the dialogue and the recommendations, it's listening and asking the right questions and being willing to hear the feedback. Is there something you would leave the listener with beyond that as a primary takeaway? I believe the primary takeaway is understand that this becomes a competitive advantage for you and your business. Mm. 
doing the right thing, doing what our moms are trying to teach us, and that is treat people with respect and understand what their issues are and help solve those, that becomes a competitive advantage for the business. Mm -hmm. How we respond to that as leaders will predicate or will determine how well we're able to compete in this talent war. That's great. Yeah, the most important aspect of any great talent magnet is the ability to retain what you attract. Absolutely. And that will certainly help you move further close to that and realize that as your real advantage in your organization. So thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you. And listeners, we hope each one of you enjoyed the conversation. And thank you for joining the Talent Magnet Institute podcast today. Companies and teams with authentic leaders attract the best talent, are the most productive, and keep people around the longest. Are you an authentic leader? Go to talentmagnetinstitutepodcast.com slash authentic to find out if you're ticking all the boxes. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter, or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr., Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.